0: Welcome to the Frederick Seventh day Adventist Church Podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. To learn more about the church, feel free to drop by fredericksdachurch.org. This is the last part on a sermon series about making a life commitment to Christ through baptism and what it really means. In this message, Pastor Q helps you understand what baptism by fire is all about. How can I live a life assured of His salvation? And that's that's what we've been trying to answer for these last three weeks. And we started off with the ABCs of salvation, that you must first acknowledge your need of a Savior, that that you must believe in Jesus Christ as being that Savior, and then you must answer the call to action. And then the second part of this sermon series, we talked about forgiveness, how when you come before God and you confess your sins and you ask forgiveness— that we serve a God who is faithful and just and will forgive you of those sins. And, and we talked about how it doesn't matter where you are or how big that sin is. If you come before God and you surrender your life to him and you say, God, please forgive me. Just, just take me as I am and take me where you want me. That he is more than able, more than willing. In fact, he is, he is waiting at the door to enter and to take you On the ride of your life. And then last week we talked about baptism. We talked about water baptism particularly. Because if you remember when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. And they were having that dialogue back and forth. Jesus said to Nicodemus that in order for a man to enter into heaven. He must do two things. First he must be baptized by water. And secondly by the spirit. And so last week we talked about water baptism, how water baptism is for the remission of sin. It is an act of repentance, which means you are literally turning away from your old self. And that in water baptism, as you just witnessed here, when you are buried in that watery grave, you die to self. And when you are risen, like Christ rose, when you are risen, you are risen to a new life in him. And that you are no longer now condemned by the sins in your life. Because Jesus says, I'll pay for that. I'm covering his life. My sacrifice is covering his life. He or she is no longer. That the sins in their lives is no longer accredited to them to death. Why? Because I paid for it. Today we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes referred to as the baptism by fire. And I have to say that this was one of the most intriguing, challenging, exciting, uh, just any emotion that you can think of, studies that I've done uh, in, in a long time. I mean, I just, I found myself just enthralled in this subject and, and I walked away with more questions than answers. Has anyone ever set out to answer a question and then by the time you're done, you you have more questions than when you started? This was my experience. And what I've realized in such a short time is that we can't put the Holy Spirit in a box. We can't just put him in a box and put a label on it that says, Holy Spirit. It's a lot more complicated than that. And I will admit to you here this morning that what we're going to talk about this morning is but a drop in the ocean when it comes to talking about the Holy Spirit. So listen, I don't want you walking away, I don't want you walking away from here today thinking, all right, we talked about the Holy Spirit, check and check it off your list and say, I got that down packed. No. What I hope today's message will do is to begin to put down a foundation or or a basis in your life. Maybe, perhaps, um, give you a desire to want to know more about the Holy Spirit. I hope that it will whet your appetite so that when you walk from here today, you will say, I want to know more. I I just have a, a, a little foundation. He 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 has given me a springboard to dive into the Holy Spirit to give the holy spirit a little bit of credit to give him a little bit of uh of of meat here for first i want to establish who the holy spirit is i remember several years ago i was still in seminary i got to talking to a muslim and as we talked we realized that we had several things in common one we both believed in god we both believed in 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 the father god and how he is a loving God that, that loves us and protects us and, and watches over us. We then even agreed that there is a Jesus. That there is, there was a man by the name of Jesus. Now, we see a little bit different as to uh, what the role of Jesus is. He sees Jesus as a prophet. A prophet like Muhammad or, or, or like all the other prophets that came along. And, and, and I, of course, and, and I probably most of you here believe that Jesus was a lot more than just a prophet. But but at least we agreed that there was a Jesus. But then when we got to the Holy Spirit, well, that's where we really went our different ways. Because he didn't believe in a Jesus. I I mean, in a Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as a Holy Spirit. it, it, It doesn't exist. It's just a part or an extension of God. And then he made this challenge to me. He said to me, you know what? There in nowhere, there is nowhere in the Bible where you can find one verse, one verse that has all three of them mentioned by name. Not one verse in Scripture, where all three are mentioned by name. And immediately I thought, well, wait a second. There's that one in Matthew that says, Go ye therefore, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, all in one verse. So I opened up to Matthew. I went to the end of Matthew. I, I showed him that text and he looked at it and he was a bit stumped. And he goes, well, that's just one. <laughs> I said, well, that's one. I'm going to need more than that, right? I, it's right there. It's, it's right there in front of, in, in front of us. So I, I need more, more than one. Now, I'm going to give you just 30 seconds to pull out a pen and paper. Because we're going to we're gonna go through text after text after text. Some of the texts we're not even going to go to, but I'm going to refer to them. And I would like for you to take this as a springboard for you to study and learn more about the Holy Spirit. And so you take these texts, you jot them down, and in your life, in your devotional life, in your journey, you can find the time to go through some of these texts. Went back to my my Muslim friend. We were talking and I said, said, this isn't the only verse. And here are just a few, all right, that I want you to jot down, all right? 1 Peter 1, 2. Hebrews 9, 4. Romans 15, 16. Romans 15, 30. I heard someone say, slow down. I'll slow down. Alright, we'll start again. 1 Peter 1 2 Hebrews 9 14 Romans 15 16 Romans thir- fifteen thirty Acts 10 38 2 Corinthians 13 14 Matthew 28 19 all of these verses one verse. Three names, three figures, all in one. And this isn't even including the verses that where it talks about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and may take two, three, four, five verses to talk about the Trinity. He said to me, The word Trinity isn't even in the Bible. You made it up. I said, Well, The word God doesn't appear in the book of Esther, but that doesn't mean that God isn't present in the book of Esther. And on every turn, he just was frustrating him. I'd like for you to turn to 1 John 5, 7. 1 John 5, 7. Let's put the Holy Spirit in his rightful place. 1 John Five, verse 7. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word. Now you remember that John, which also wrote the Gospel of John, wrote this book. And in the Gospel of John, it starts off by saying the Word. In the first chapter, the Word became flesh. Obviously referring to Jesus Christ. Bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and... The Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Holy Spirit. God. The Holy Spirit. We oftentimes worship God the Father. So oftentimes praise and worship God the Son, Jesus Christ. But how often do we purposefully speak out or pray or worship God The Holy Spirit. And yet the Holy Spirit, as you will see in just a few moments, plays such an integral part of our day-to-day life that it is for this reason, I believe, the devil does everything that he can to remove the Holy Spirit from our personal lives and from our churches. The Holy Spirit. I'd like for you to turn to the Bible in John, the Gospel of John. John was big into the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16. We're going to read a little bit about the role of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, starting with verse 5. John chapter 16, verse 5. I'm reading from the New King James Version, by the way. And it says this in verse 5, Now, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now, my words are in red here, which means this is Jesus speaking. All right? And he says, I tell you the truth. Now, this is Jesus saying to you and to me, I tell you the truth the truth. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, how many times have I heard, and I have been guilty of this myself, Jesus, it would be so much easier if you were here. If you were still around, it would be so much better for us. But yet Jesus, before he left, he admitted that it is an advantage for me to go and for me to send you the Holy Spirit. So there is an advantage there for us understanding the role of the Holy Spirit. And so he says, there nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Now, some of your Bibles may say comforter or counselor, all appropriate. In fact, every one of these ways of translating it can be can be verified in other parts of Scripture. My Bible says helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And if you read a couple chapters right before in chapter 14, verse 25, It says this, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, there it is, or comforter or counselor, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. The importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our churches. We're going to continue Reading from chapter 16. Chapter 16. We're going to read verse 8 once again. And when he has come. He will convict the world of sin. And of righteousness. And of judgment. The role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And in the church. To convict us of one. Sin. To convict us of two. Righteousness and to convict us three of judgment. Now, you talk about a big role to play. Because I don't know about you, but it's pretty hard sometimes to convict me of my sins. I put up walls, I put up illusions. My stubbornness sometimes says, no, it's no big deal. And and sometimes I fear that the Holy Spirit's biggest enemy is myself. But here the Holy Spirit has been sent to this planet, to this earth, to do three things. To convict us of sin, to convict us of righteousness, and to convict us of judgment. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. The truth about sin, the truth about righteousness, the truth about judgment, the truth about Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will convict us. The Holy Spirit will teach us the truth about these things. Now, I'll remind you what the Bible says, that the truth will what? Set you free. Could it be that the role of the Holy Spirit is indeed to set us free. Really? I mean, is it that? To set us free from the bondage of sin? To set us free into the knowledge of his righteousness? To set us free from the judgment? The Holy Spirit, the truth of the Holy Spirit, and here he is working day in and day out, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, trying to get us to understand the truth about our sin, about his righteousness, about the judgment. What an amazing role. What an awesome job the Holy Spirit has. And we're in a position where we can either make it easy for him or we can make it very hard for him. <laughs> We talked about baptism by water last week. We said that water baptism is for the remission of sin. The justification of one's life. You are being justified of the sins in your life. And my friends, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is the sanctification of your life. It is the transformation that takes place in your life. The Holy Spirit, as he comes into your life, is sanctifying you of the things that are wrong with you. You've heard me say this so many times before, and I'll repeat it again. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, he's not just interested in saving you from the mess that you're in. He wants to save you from the mess that you've become. And in order to do that, there has to be a process. There has to be a process of purification. That process is sanctification. That process is brought to us through the power and the grace of the Holy Ghost. As he convicts you, as he transforms your life, as he sanctifies your life by making known to you the truth about sin, the truth about righteousness, the truth about judgment. You want change in your life? Are you tired of struggling with the same things over and over again? Do you want to take things to the next level? Do you know what you need? The Holy Spirit. Are you tired of your marriage or your family, where it's at, where it's going? Do you want your marriage to be vibrant and exciting and, and show the love of Jesus? To Is that what you want? You need the Holy Spirit in your family. Do you want to see this church grow and minister to the community? Do you want this, this church to, to resemble the character of Jesus Christ? This church needs the Holy Spirit. That is what the Holy Spirit is all about. The Holy Spirit is simply here not only to get you to resemble Jesus Christ, but to get this church to resemble Jesus Christ. He is in the process of transforming, of sanctifying, of convicting us so that we individually can resemble what God showed us through Jesus Christ. And he wants this church to go forth and show what God showed us through Jesus Christ. Do you want change? Do you want change in your own life? Do you want change in your families? Do you want change in your relationships? Do you want change in this church for the better? We need the Holy Spirit. You know, oftentimes, when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, what trips us up, what gets us all confused about the Holy Spirit is oftentimes how it's manifested or when it's manifested. And so I want to remind you again that we cannot put the Holy Spirit in a box. We can't just put him in a box and label it and say, Holy Spirit and say, all right, we have it all figured out. This is, this is what the Holy Spirit is all about. When we try and do that, that's when we get into trouble. And especially when we try and figure out the how is the Spirit manifested in our lives. You see, because there are two camps. There are two camps. There is one camp that says the Holy Spirit is only manifested in miraculous outpouring in the gifts of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is only manifested through the gift of tongues or through the gift of evangelism or through the gift of, of preaching or through the gift of hospitality. And only when there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in miraculous ways, are we experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But yet there's other people in another camp that say no. That is not the manifestation of of the Spirit. The manifestation of the Spirit comes in your daily walk with Him. Little by little, as you communicate with God and as you communicate with the Holy Spirit, He, little by little, transforms your life into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we build up walls and we say, it's either one or the other. And I'm here to suggest to you this morning that we should not box the Holy Spirit in. In fact... We need to be open to the fact that the Bible talks about amazing manifestations of the Holy Spirit through miracles, through healings, through speaking in tongues, through raising the dead, through healing the sick. And he also manifests himself in the lives of like uh, the, the jailer or in people as the Holy Spirit spoke to them. And, and they give their life over to Christ and little by little, step by step, their lives are being transformed by the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. Because here's the deal. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to what? Is to transform. And he will use big miracles to transform the church. But guess what? He will use God's still small voice to transform your life. And so we can experience the baptism, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a variety of ways. And when we think that we have it figured out, when we think that we can put them in a box, that's when we get into trouble. Some people have a problem with when is the spirit manifested? Does it happen before Water baptism? Does it happen during water baptism? Does it happen after water baptism? Do you have to reach a certain point in your life before you can experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Well, let me just share with you a a few passages here. I'd like for you to go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter says, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. There it is. The baptism by water that you and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so here we have Peter almost almost uh, what, what he's doing. He's equating the two. He's saying, you give your life to Jesus Christ through water baptism and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. And so there you have it almost happening at the same time. But is that the only time that it happens? No. Let's read here um, Acts chapter 19. Turn to to Acts chapter 19. Just a a few chapters over. Acts chapter 19. 19. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Here they've received and and they haven't, they've received the, the baptism of John, as we'll read here in just a second. But they don't even know about the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, and and he said to them, verse 2, I'm sorry. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, unto what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John, indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now I need to make, I need to bring out a point about this verse 5. This verse 5, some people will refer back to verse 4. There are others that believe verse 5 refers to verse 6. All right? Some people believe, and I will read verse 4 just so, so that you can understand what's going on here. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is, on Jesus Christ. Continuing the baptism of water. Then they heard this. They were baptized... Again, baptism of water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The text can actually go both ways. All right. But there is strong evidence for linking verse 5 with verse 6. Let's read it. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And there's the link And when Paul had laid hands on them, in other words, the baptism that took place in verse 5 was the laying on of hands. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke the tongue with tongues and prophesied. Don't miss the point, however. That the baptism of the Holy Spirit can take place after water baptism. Now, it can take place during. It can take place after. Can it take place before? What do you think? Yes? Oh, someone, you can't come to Christ unless you are prompted or convicted by the Holy Spirit. But check this out. There is a powerful, unmistakable evidence that the baptism of the Holy Spirit can take place before the water baptism. Turn with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with the tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, "Listen to this: can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have?" And so Paul, in this encounter, or Peter, with this encounter, he witnesses these group, the, the group of people, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, falling upon them. They're experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter says, there's no way that we can deny water baptism from them. And so then they were baptized in water. We get into trouble. When we try and box in the Holy Spirit, we get into trouble when we put a label on them and say, this is what it's all about. It's either the manifestations, the miraculous manifestations of his gifts. Or it's only the manifestations of his fruits. Did you catch that? The gifts of the Holy Spirit, external, external manifestations of his power working through his people for the spreading of the gospel. And over here we have the manifestation of of the Holy Spirit working individually in people's lives for the fruits of his spirit, which is character development. Whether the Holy Spirit is here working in, uh, in, in external manifestations or whether he's over here working in internal manifestations. Make no mistake about it. They both involve the Holy Spirit. They both involve a baptism of the Holy Spirit. They both involve an indwelling of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. And here's the deal. I will close with this. With a simple question. Do you want change in your life? Do you want change in the church? Do you want to experience God as though you have never experienced him before? The challenge for us, if the answer is yes, is that we must begin to pray for the Holy Spirit. We need to, we need to start or we need to amp it up. We need to, to start doing it more. We, we need to start praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives For the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our families, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the church. Because when we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives and into our church, that is when transformation begins. That is when transformation happens. That is when we as individuals will begin to resemble the love of God. That is when this church will begin to resemble in powerful ways, the love of God. I pray that as we leave this place, that this message, as short as it was, that it just, it fires us up to want to know more about the Spirit, to want to seek the Holy Spirit more, to to say, Holy Spirit, I don't understand what you're doing in my life, or I don't understand where you're going or how it's going to get there, but Holy Spirit, I know I need you, I know I want you, we need to pray for the power of our, in the, for the Holy Spirit in our lives. And in the same way, we pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit for our church so that our church can become what God wants it to be here in this community. The Holy Spirit is all about transformation. And I just pray that we can experience that transformation that this church can experience the transformation our father in heaven lord we come to you in the name of jesus christ thanking you for the work of the holy spirit in our lives the truth is is whether we want to admit it or not whether we realize it or not the holy spirit is at work lord please help us to receive your holy spirit in bigger ways, in better ways. God, we want your Holy Spirit to be poured out in our lives and in this church because we want to give you the glory and the honor that you deserve. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. They are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about them at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, you can click on Sermon Audio.